Hi, this is Aaron Orlando from the Revelstoke Mountaineer. Uh, it's Saturday night in Revelstoke. We're at the community center getting ready for the Rod and Gun Club banquet. I'm joined with MLA Norm McDonald, who's uh, here for the event. And we're going to, I guess, get an update about what's happening in Victoria. Uh, the big news in the past uh, week and a half has been the budget and the fallout from that. So uh, welcome, Norm, uh, and uh, let's get going. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing very well. So. Uh, yeah, I think for the uh, for the spring session, the, the the main part of the spring session will not be legislation. There's not a lot of legislation that that the government's expected to to table. Uh, it 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 really is the the budget and the 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 budget that the province put forward last week has uh, a lot of implications for people here in 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 Revelstoke, and I think uh, is a budget that doesn't really meet the the needs of people here in in a lot of ways. Um, I guess the most significant part of the budget is is the decision uh, to prioritize uh, the uh, a tax cut for the richest two percent of, of British Columbians. So uh, the government has chosen to spend two hundred and thirty six million uh, a year in a tax cut for anybody who earns more than one hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars. And of course, the the benefits accrue the the richer you you are. So once you get to be earning a million dollars, you would save with this tax measure $17,000 a year. And, and uh, that contrasts with the need that is here in, in Revelstoke. When I go to ministers and say we need, you know, we, it doesn't work to not have a conservation officer here in, in Revelstoke, they say, well, there's no money. Okay. There's no money for, for a conservation officer where the need is, is so obvious, right? Uh, J just to jump in on that point, you know, yeah. it's it's pretty hard to defend a, a, a tax cut for the one percenters, but but wasn't the response to that that this was a temporary tax that was uh, going to be that was put in a few years ago that was going to be cut out anyways? Yeah, so so that's the argument that the government made, but it's so disingenuous because in this budget, as with all budgets, there are a number of these measures that are at first put in as uh, you know something that will run for two or three years. In this case, it was going to run for for two years, but in the same budget, they're extending, uh, you know, the mine, uh, uh, mine benefits, uh, a roll through tax break for the mines, and I mean, there's a whole host of other measures that, that they just continue to run through, and certainly for the government to say they had no control, like this, you know, this just ran out and they couldn't do anything about it, of course that's not true. The, it is a conscious decision to not collect $236 million from the richest two percent and and uh, like I say it, it makes no sense to have that as your priority because in every other area they're increasing costs so if you're you know somebody most of the middle class here in Revelstoke which is you know most people are are in that middle class they're going to be paying significantly more for a whole host of things MSP is going up uh, the uh, um, uh, charge for hydro is going up significantly ICBC is going up. So you have all of these things that are essentially flat taxes increasing, and then at the same time, they are taking uh, an income tax, uh, an additional 2% for the richest. So you think of uh, uh, applying some of that money to make sure there's conservation officers in, in communities that need them. Uh, you think of that money applied towards education, where the, uh, the district, Revelstoke District, is going to be uh, under tremendous pressure to find funding to provide services for for our children, you think if that was applied to to those in greatest need in the community, and I'll just give you one example: 
if, if somebody is on disability, they earn significantly less here in British Columbia than any other, any other province, right? Uh, Alberta, it's, it's almost a, an additional third more that one would get. Uh, there's a gentleman that, that came to me. He's, he's a veteran. He gets his veterans allowance, armed, forens, armed forces pension, but he's on disability too. So almost all the money is clawed back from disability. Well, the tax cut that was given to a millionaire gives the millionaire a benefit of 17000 That's $4,000, $5,000 more than somebody on disability makes all year. It just seems that if you had some money, you would look after the most needy, not the ones that are, that are least needy. And then the Trans-Canada. The Trans-Canada, there was a clear commitment. Yeah, and I, I just want to ask a, a question. So, sorry to interrupt there, Norm. Yeah. Um, that's been in the news this week, and, and locally there's been a debate. I know uh, the mayor of Revelstoke was, was off in Victoria meeting with the transportation minister, and it's, there's sort of in the papers been a back and forth, uh, people saying, yep, it's, 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 it's happening, no, it's not, yes, we're on target, no, we're not. Um, we have a bunch of initiatives we're going to roll out, and, and uh, I guess f from your perspective, uh, w w you know, wh where are we at uh, with this budget on uh, uh, highway improvements that, you know, is of course something that everyone in Revelstoke calls for every year, forever. Yeah, so we're, we're nowhere with it at all. So the commitment that the Premier made in 2012 at the, at the uh, UBCM was that within 10 years, uh, we would have divided four-lane highway from Kamloops to the Alberta border. About 280 kilometers remains to be done, right? Uh, prior to the 2009 election, they put up signs saying the same thing. They switched them around in 2013. They had the, the minister prior to the 2013 election, the Minister of Transportation at the time, come through and make it sound like there was a clear commitment. There was even a dollar figure that the Premier gave at the time, but none of that shows up in this budget or in previous budgets. So. If you look, I think it's page, oh my, off the top of my head, I think it's page 17 of the budget documents. It lays out for the next three years what is going to be spent on the portion of highway from uh, Kamloops to the Alberta border. And I believe that was like a, a hundred and fifty-one million dollars. That's right, total, which is which is uh, has is the the level that's been there forever. It gets you nothing. So last year they spent 27 million. Uh, next year they plan to spend 40 million. People need to understand that while it sounds like a big figure, it gets you nothing. One bridge, the Donald Bridge across the Columbia, was 63 million. It took care of three kilometers. There is a section in the Kicking Horse that is 800 million. You're looking at figures like that for any work that's going to be done in Three Valley Gap. So if there is a serious commitment to do work, you need to have figures of four and 500 million to get any serious work done. That was not my promise to do that. That was the Premier's promise and the BC Liberal promise. And for the next three years, their intention is to do nothing but replace bridges that are frankly falling down. The Donald Bridge was replaced because chunks of it were falling on the railway and into the river. That's why it was replaced. You've got the Malacqua Bridge. While every anyone who's driven west and seen the Malacqua Bridge knows it's a 1950s bridge that's been inadequate for years, that is not a serious commitment to fixing this highway, which, I mean, we've seen it's not the closures, it's not as much as it's, it's the, 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 the deaths that take place because of head-on collisions. As soon as you divide it and you make it four lanes, you change the, the safety of the road completely. So, so that's something, if you think that tax cut would have given us a billion dollars over four years, 
to do some serious work on the on the highway. That's what should have happened. The Premier promised it. The Premier should have come through for those sorts of commitments, which are, frankly, their life and death, right? Mm -hmm. uh, rather than uh, a tax cut that gets you nothing. Like, it, what benefit for 98% of British Columbians came from spending that amount of money? None. Um, the 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 151 million dollars over three years is in a, an operational fund, as I understand it. There's also capital fu a capital fund nope. um, that's that's dealing with, for example, the kicking horse. The phase is it phase three or four? No, no, no. That's that is the capital. So the 151 million is not it's not maintenance. That's capital. Okay. So that's that's the money available to to do uh, uh, capital improvements. So replacing bridges or any any four-laning that you do, and they're going to do some work near Kamloops, okay? Mm -hmm. But they're they're taking the, the easy stuff, right? This is not the place where the highway shuts down. It's not the place with a lot of accidents. Mm -hmm. It's just it's fairly flat and easy to do, right? Mm -hmm. But it is it is not a serious uh, uh, work to meet the commitment that the government made. Mm -hmm. At the rate they've done over the last 10 years, mm -hmm. it will take 60 years to complete the the, the highway uh, being four-laned and divided, and um, uh, that's just wrong. It mm -hmm. cannot be that way. So we, my job is to just put pressure on the government to to make sure that they don't get away with with uh, commitments that they have no intention of keeping, and to make it as politically painful as possible for them to 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 miss that commitment. And uh, it won't just be me. It'll be uh, there'll be people at the federal level. There'll be people at the local level, including. Councillors and others that, uh, and the mayor in in Revelstoke, and the mayor in 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 Golden, and the regional directors, and we just have to keep up the the pressure and make it um, uh, as difficult as possible for the government to step away from what was a really clear commitment. Okay, one of the things, Norm, that you've talked about for years. Um, is is land use planning? You you've said that uh, successive changes to legislation have made it harder and harder for local governments or local people to have input on land use planning issues. I know over the years you talked about it on on small scale hydro developments. Um, one of the the controversies the community's been facing in the past. Uh, couple months has been um, forestry harvesting over in the the Mount McPherson trails um, and it, it's still sort of an ongoing struggle within the community to, s to sort of figure out yeah. how to move forward I, as you're you may be aware there was a, a pretty big petition online yeah, of about 11 or 1200 people signed it um, and we're still sort of working through the process as a community to figure out maybe Give us a for example of, of how these changes you your feeling on how these changes impact something practical like this. Um, oh yeah, so I, I mean communities, especially communities like Revelstoke, they have always been very effective at coming together and and compromising and making making plans that maybe not everybody's completely happy with, but in the end you have a plan that's community based that taps into local knowledge. And and meets the needs generally of the the community. And we had structures that were in place and have been effective, in Revelstoke and Golden. Invermere never had it because of uh, they've got a local situation there. But you you used to have legislation that required uh, people that were working on the public land, companies that were working on the public lands, to include the broader public. For all sorts of reasons, that makes sense. I think it's obvious how that would work well for local communities, uh, for individuals, 
for people that care about wildlife uh, and and like rod and gun and other environmental the local environmental group would look carefully at the environmental implications of, of what went on but it also worked for the companies what we were told when I was on the timber supply committee is and Camfor said this and and there were other companies that said it as well they go and they sell into the United States based upon a a, a system of of uh, where they have sort of a standard they they have been given a seal that uh, and part of getting that standard to allow them to sell into many of these businesses in in the states is they have to act in a certain way they have to interact with the first nations in a certain way they have to have certain environmental codes but part of it as well is that they have to have logging that is done with the uh, community participation in terms of the planning well for the past 10 years that's been taken away and at some point uh, what the companies were saying to me is is that's going to that's going to come back and bite them because the the premise that they sell into into the states on is is a premise that that the broader public participates in decision making on on the land base and that really hasn't been the reality in most of the province for the past 10 years and so so at some point we need to get back to it like i say it's obvious why uh, people in Revelstoke would want to do that and why the community would want to do that. But even for the companies, you know, they're they're starting to look and see at some point this is going to come back and bite us, and we don't want that. We don't want to, to go back to where we lose market share because uh, we're seen as, as not being responsible in terms of the work we're doing. For Camfor, West Fraser, uh, these companies told us they are selling an environmentally responsible product. That's what they're selling. And anything that undermines that claim in the American market is hugely damaging to them, including the claim that they are doing it with uh, uh, public participation in, in, in land use decision making. So we've got to get back to it. Um, and this might be a more technical question on, on forest policy, but do, do you have a, what would you suggest to get back to it? What sort of changes would you think need to happen? I think I think it's a really uh, a very simple thing to do. You simply have, as the plans are being developed, you have a, a a place for the public to participate, where they're given accurate information, and they're asked for their feedback. It worked in in the 90s. Uh, you know, certainly, I was most familiar with what Evans and then LP, who operate of Golden, were doing. They didn't mind. They felt that they were doing very good work. I mean, they they said. You know, they, they would tell me they were proud of the work they were doing. They didn't mind showing uh, the public, and they would take the feedback and, and try to work with it so that it would meet everybody's needs. It, it, actually, it actually is, is, is a process that, that uh, um, can work very, very well. It's public land. Mm -hmm. It's our resource, and, and uh, there is a social contract that comes with it, including, including uh, good land use decision-making. Um, MLA Norm McDonald, thank you so much for taking the time to do this and enjoy the banquet tonight. Yeah, thank you very much. It's, uh, uh, it's a pleasure and thanks for the opportunity.